Welcome to What the Fit, a podcast about what it means to be fit. Whatever the fuck that means. Hello, Mandy Hauer. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm so great. We have Mandy back as a guest co-host. She's going to help me run through the three questions of the intro. She's the co-founder of BND Clothing. BND was created to form a collective commitment by all to eliminate the incident of suicide. Awesome cause. Very relevant for May Mental Health Awareness Month and very, very super cute workout clothes on top of the good stuff. So check them out on Instagram at BND Commit. I'm so happy to have you here. We had some some trying times getting together. <laughs> it seems to be like the theme of quarantine. It's like everything's just a little bit more challenging uh, I know. than normal. And, and we'll talk about this coming up soon. But I was really at this place where I was starting to feel settled. I was like, this is not, I'm, uh, this is good. I'm in a group. It lasted a, probably a total of 48 hours until, <laughs> until the powers that be were like, oh, she's happy. Let's fucking strike her not down. So <laughs> right, right. But you know, I feel like that's kind of been an ongoing theme too. Like I have a few really good days and then kind of go down a little bit. Um, and I know I mentioned it to you before, but it really, for me, if I step back and look, it does kind of go along with the weather and mimics the weather. I know. So that sunshine. I know. Me too. I was like, I mean, I guess it makes sense as humans that we're so in touch with our environment and our surroundings. I get it. I'm also like, oh, it's something I don't have any control over. So how do I like control it? Mm-hmm. It's just like back to controlling and not feeling, which we were talking about before. I saw something some quote or something um, the other day, though, as I was kind of in the thick of all my bullshit, and it, it said something to the effect like, oh, like, you're having a hard time, or things aren't going your way, or you're feeling down, and you're like, that's life. <laughs> like, it's just, I'm like, fuck, you're right. <laughs> you know, like, of course, there's going to be periods where I just mentioned, yeah, I'm feeling happy, I'm feeling good. And then following that period, you're not going to feel so happy and good. And that's going to be this way until you die. Right. And that's not and a bad thing. Maybe you'll appreciate the, the good days, the high days. <laughs> I know. I know. Okay. Before we get into all that stuff, which I definitely want to, what's been your favorite workout, Mandy? Oh, geez. So um, much like my moods, I've been off and on with my workouts. Uh, mm -hmm. And Well, the last time we talked to you had a broken foot. Yes. So I'm. But you're healed. Well, kind of. Oh, you boy. know, I'm turning 40 this year mm -hmm. and I'm starting to think that this one will like plague me. Like I'll never totally be the same. Oh, um, I know it. it sucks. Um, it's weird. It's like uh, the break feels fine, but everything around it is just kind of stiff and tight. So mm. I get sore, a lot more sore um, than I used to. So um, I yeah. probably need to do some like actual PT exercises, but I've never been really good with that. Mm, it's just yep. kind of like full throttle. No, I know. Pedal to I know what you mean. Um, yeah. So I am an avid burn girl. Uh, you know, I love, burn yes, burn I love camp. burn boot camp. Part of the thing that I love there is, um, like the community and my girls. And, um, so zoom is just not the same with that. It's not. It's Try great. as we might. 
Right. Yeah. Um, and they really have done an amazing job at like trying to do as much as they possibly can. Um, but one of the cool things is it has given me the opportunity to kind of branch out and try some other things. Um, and I love Dance Factory Fitness with Jess. Oh, yes. So I've been doing her work from home, um, which is really cool because she has like quickie abs or quickie arms, you know, 15 minutes or 30. Does she call them a quickie? She does. does. I love that. I love it. Brilliant. So, and I mean, talk about like someone who can turn your day around. That girl totally has like the best smile, the best energy. And even through the TV, I'm like, all right, girl, like we dance it out for 30 minutes and I feel better. Uh, yeah. Her energy stores are just like never depleted. Never. I don't understand. I'm so jealous. I want to know how she does it. I think it's just her. Just and her she's DNA. got like this mini newborn in a bouncy seat on the floor next to her. And she's like <laughs> bouncing off the walls. I'm like, she's unreal. I know. It's bizarre. You're superhuman. She Jess. is. I love you, Jess. You're amazing. <laughs> Um, and then the other yeah. one that I love, um, so I follow this girl on Instagram called Seersucker and Saddles. Her name is Beth Chapo. Okay. And she's adorable, like funky style, um, which, uh-huh. I mean, she does a lot of fashion stuff and cooking stuff, but she has this trainer in Indianapolis um, that is awesome. So I follow her because I love to just see like the crazy ass things he makes her do. And they uh, are doing yeah. Yeah. Um, Saturday morning workouts at nine. Um, and so I've done those a couple Saturdays. And they're just like um, yeah, crazy things, like using broomsticks, using pillows, uh, like crazy props as torture devices. So it's fun, oh, fun to like try something different. Yeah. Right. When you can get a free second from your children. Right. I don't have to like <laughs> bar my door, like yeah, put my dresser in front of my door. <laughs> So that happens Lock on Saturday in. mornings. That's the only time I can do it because my husband's home. So he can like yeah, distract him, keep him away Control. from me. Yeah. Does Burn have a um, reopening date yet or plan? Have you June heard? 1st. June 1st. Okay. I've I've heard I feel like studios are either they're toggling either June 1st or they are doing the May 20 the May 26th date. So June 1st when they open back up, will you resume classes? What's your thought? What's your feeling? I go back and forth on this one. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that I'm there yet. Um, yeah. That's yeah. Fine. I don't know. As much as I want to be there, um, my, the big thing for me is my husband is in commercial construction. So he has continued to work this whole time. So I have my three kids. So I can't. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, okay, so now I have to pay a sitter when I'm not really making anything to have someone come in because they're not going to have childcare, or if mm-hmm. they do have childcare, it's going to be really limited. Yeah. Um, so it, I think it'll be difficult for me to jump right back in June 1st. Uh, although I will say, once we've got some weekend options and my yeah. husband's home and can keep the kids, I will then. Because uh, I, I, I need people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I need so badly. So hear you loud and clear, Mandy. (laughs) My favorite workout was this recent really long walk that I took on Sunday. So it was me and my bestie Kelly, and it's just 
the best when you are walking with a friend. Like there's nothing better to me. It's the, it's like the best way to hang out, best way to work out, best way to hang out. So we walked about five miles. So it was like an hour and 45 minute long walk. So it's like it was serious. So we're from where I live in OTR. We walked down to the river along like serpentine wall like where they have pride and like sawyer point yeah all the way to friendship park you've been to friendship oh park? yeah oh yeah yeah okay so we walked all the way to friendship park and we walked back to the mount adams steps and walked holy cow. up to mount adams like down and around and there's a walking bridge that connects like mount adams to kind of like it crosses 71 and kind of just dumps you by the casino Mm-hmm. So we did that and then walked like back up to my house. So, I, I mean, I was exhausted. I was I done at the end. Like it was so difficult. I feel like we always, t- I mean, I always talk about walking. I love walking so much and a lot of people love walking, but I feel like it's so underrated as a form of exercise. For sure. And, and I feel such like- a good time oh, go to like reflect and talk, yep. connect with someone. Uh, yeah. It checks so many boxes mm-hmm. that you need versus like, yes, I can, I can do an hour workout class in my living room and I'm sweating and it's tough and I'm burning lots of calories, but it, it, there's something about a walking that just is more holistic, I guess sure. is what I'm looking for. But I'll walk up my hill that I have to walk up to get back home. And all I can think of is, cause I have to, every time I finish any walk, it's uphill and I'm like, how am I not the fittest <laughs> fucking person in the world? Like how? How am I not? Like all these walk, all these walks that I do, all walking up this hill. I'm just like, I I should be breezing up this at this point. I don't think it and ever gets easier. It's tough. <laughs> I know, do you find? I mean, obviously walking up the hill is hard, but it's your hill is really steep, yeah. right? So yeah, it's the 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 killer part of my hill is that it is steep, but it's also like a long one and i'm at the very top you ever have a hard time going down yeah down is hard i think down is yeah. is crunchy on my just feels like well i don't know i don't like it i would rather go up than down if i'm if i'm being honest like down for yeah. too long is uncomfortable so we do uh my sisters and i do that 60 mile breast cancer walk every year wait what is that you don't walk 60 miles we do we walk In, you each watch walk 60 miles yes for three days. So you walk 20 miles a day for three days. It's like a oh Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Friday, Saturday. Sunday. Gosh. It's so fun. Um, Is your body like just done at the end of dead. it? I feel like I would be dead. Yeah, dead. dead. But yeah. it is so inspiring and it's so much fun. So we've mm-hmm. done Boston, um, San Diego, Atlanta twice. Mm. We were supposed to do Chicago this year, um, but it's obviously been postponed. So um, they're looking yeah. at 2021, but it's funny because I would have never thought about how painful going downhill is until we started doing those yeah. walks. And on the third day, I mean, it's even like going down a curb is like, so yeah. and in San Francisco, oh my gosh, that oh, is yeah intense, but so, so, intense. so fun and such a cool experience. It does sound fun. Okay, Mandy, what do you want to talk about? Uh, I mean, you know me and my passion for mental health. So, and it's obviously yes. Mental Health Month. And I feel like yep. this whole quarantine has just amplified mental health um, across the board. And everyone, everyone has, it. has it. 
you know what I'm saying? Like, if you have a brain, if you're a waking, walking, breathing yeah. human being, right? You have mental health. So I health. feel like you know <laughs> a lot of time, um, unless you struggle or know someone personally struggling with a mental illness. Who, I mean, let's be honest, most of us do. But if you're not in the throes of it mm-hmm. on a daily basis, it's easy to not uh, really think too much about it on a reg- like on a consistent basis. But this quarantine, mm-hmm. I feel like, has forced so many of us to really take that into consideration and realize how quickly your mental health can go spiraling downward. Like, and how much it affects everything. Everything. Yeah. Everything. And, uh, you know, just like little things like routine. I mean, you know, my daughter struggles with anxiety. And I know I've talked about that a lot mm-hmm. before, but like recognizing like the first couple weeks for her. I was like, man, she's thriving in quarantine. Mm -hmm. She loved it because Mm -hmm. we were all home and that is like a safe space for her. But it's as like, as the time went on, then it kind of rolled into, okay, now there's no routine. And like, Mm -hmm. so, and she's a feeler. She has big feelings and um, she's a people person. She doesn't fall far from the tree. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So like her questions to me every morning are, what are we going to do today? And can we touch people? Can I hug someone? Like she just is like grasping oh. for that. Like, um, yeah. So it's just uh, you know we we've, we've been trying a bunch of different things. I think it's been good uh, in the manner that it has forced us to like really kind of focus yeah. on it. Um, we use an app with the kids called um, Stop, Think, Breathe. Ooh, it's a really cool kids app um, where um, like I have all three of my kids profiles on there and they it shows emoji faces of like, how are you feeling right now? And they pick it and then it gives them like quick like it's like, let's explore um, starter expedition. And then it gives them like three or four ideas of like four to seven minute guided meditations or stories. Wow. It's awesome. They can do it. This yeah. is incredible to think about children, like young children, accessing Even my a tool life. like this. And I think, like, I think about my own childhood experience, my experience as an adult, and just to sit with the question of like, how are you feeling today? Not right. don't feel this today, or this isn't the right time to feel this, or you know, this avoidance of emotion. It's like, nope. Let's right look at it. What is it? Go through our. Ugh. That's great. It's so that's so inspiring to hear for the generation. No, I up. think they won't be all as um, fucked up as we are. Hopefully, I don't hopefully. screw them up too bad. But <laughs> right. maybe yeah, they'll come will, out with some okay. some some positives there. They, but they, it, it's good. So yeah. I can always say, like, when they like, I can sense them going off the rails. I'm like, go get on the breathe app. Like, go go take a couple minutes. Um. Mm. So, but it's also mm-hmm. for me, um, you know, actually like slowing down and sitting in my feelings, actually fe- feeling them, um, because um, I'm one who, um, you know, is go, go, go. And yeah. it's hard for me to sit. I don't really want to sit with my feelings because it's right. not always great. Um, but this is like kind of forced me to do that, which I think I'll come out. It'll be a, a growth period as painful mm-hmm. as it has been certain times. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I, every time I talk to parents, I just have this whole sense of wonder and appreciation and like 
oh just gratitude for what you guys have to go through right now like when you when you mentioned that you wake up and she asks what are we gonna do today that alone i'm like oh my god i have to think about what i'm gonna do today and then i have to think about what these other three humans that i'm responsible are gonna do today like that's so much to keep in your brain and and your own shit to work through and their shit to work through it sounds so you know hard. and that's what kind of <laughs> when i posted that post that quote you you sent me yesterday one of those things it's a hard balance because yeah. it is something that is amazing and i don't want to like be the person who's complaining about parenthood because there are a lot of people who that's the only thing they sure. want. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's that delicate balance, but it is tough. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone's circumstances are tough right now. Right. Um, right. They're just, everybody's look a little bit different. I know. Uh, but it's tough. Yeah. I think it's a good, that, that Pope, that quote that I sent you yesterday, it was something to the effect of, um, let me just, I think I can just pull it up here really quick. Let me just do this. So it says, and even if somebody else has it much worse, that doesn't really change the fact that you have what you have, good and bad. And this, you know, we can hold space simultaneously for feeling whatever we're feeling and then also appreciating what we do have, right? It's And it doesn't negate or take away from the other. Absolutely. And I had this experience yesterday where I, so our my day yesterday, I was talking, Mandy and I were supposed to record yesterday it was just a whole slew of problems house problems with all the rain we've been having to make a to make a long story as short as possible i got a new roof put on my house last spring but the leak and the water damage and the headache started in september of 2018 so from september to 2018 to spring of 2019 i dealt with this leaky roof like ceilings coming in it stress every time it rained yada 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 finally got all the house repairs done october of 2019 so it's been what like not a lot of time to like finally feeling okay our house is in a safe space where i'm not having anxiety or i'm not looking at water damage whatever wake up yesterday morning to once again my ceilings caving in with water after a brand new roof a year ago so it's just like, you can imagine, mountain, mountain. Then this, there's like the one piece of the stress anxiety triangle. Then there's the other piece of that. My husband and I deal with stress very differently. And he wants to, let's talk about what it is right now. Let's get an action plan. Let's move forward, like pragmatic, logical, step-by-step. We're going to solve this problem. Right. And I need time. I need time to fume. I need time to process. I need time to be sad, right? That's what I'm trying to practice doing instead of like rushing from one thing to the next. And it just, that causes a whole other debacle between us. And then that's something to think about. So, so I was looking on Instagram and someone had posted this picture of Ohio flooding, right? Cause we've had so much rain, just like massive amounts of water. And they said something to the effect of like, I'm so happy we're having all this rain because Pat, you know, it was in, it was kind of a political post of things are opening up too soon. And this is really going to show them like, we shouldn't be out on patios anyways. And then I'm over here thinking like, but my house is flooding. <laughs> like I don't want it to keep raining. Like you want this one thing. I want Bruce, this one. Your patio. <laughs> right. Right. I'm like, it just is like you, you, 
it's just such a stark like clear picture of the, the different gifts that we're all getting from quarantine and how a gift to one person can look like mm-hmm. a, not a gift to another and that this experience while while we're all going through it is so similar and so different for everyone and when i was thinking about what do i want to talk about on this podcast today and i wanted to somehow relate it to mental health and you know how it could be impactful or valuable or what I could talk about. And I was just like, I don't know. I'm like, you know, I feel like the only thing I can really talk about is what's coming up for me lately and what I'm, what I've been going through. And but then I go back and forth. Like, no one, no one cares. Like you talk and you've talked enough about it. So I'm just like, well, maybe they don't want to hear that. And so I, I kind of just landed on talking about and sharing you know my experience so far and how I feel in relation to it to my mental health so kind of like taking a step up a step away from you know, not necessarily thinking of like a oh, favorite workout but just you know where I am with my workouts where I am with my own mental space and I have had some serious fluctuations lately with like control of course like trying to control a situation and so that for me comes up with food and shaming and punishing myself and think like got on my fitbit again so i was seeing like calorie stuff and i'm like okay well i can just like if i'm eating this amount and i'm burning you you just go down that that path so like that was happening for a while and I would have periods of time where I'd be able to talk myself, you know, kind of talk yourself off a ledge or like you come back to the healing work that you've mm-hmm. done and you recognize this in a linear path and and all that. And then I would come to this place of, oh my gosh, I'm I'm actually really thankful for this quarantine situation because it has forced me to slow down and I would not have done it on my own. I know that. My ego is chirping, chirping, chirping away, and I know that I would have always given Absolutely. into it. And and when I think about like the slow down, like it has to come at the expense of the ego, right? And the ego wants to win. The ego wants to do. The ego wants to be productive and all these things. And like I'm, I wasn't in a place to kind of let that go. And this has forced all of us to do that, where I'm like, I'm not just a productive being. I'm more than the than my output. Absolutely, and which is interesting to come to. Yeah, like I, yeah, and so I I, I feel I feel so much less stressed, and I had this realization last week for whatever reason, just podcast stuff, event things, work. It, it was a it was a really busy maybe like three days where every day I was getting to bed like oh I'm exhausted, and I. It was this that same feeling that I would have every single day of the week before when I'm like living in this burnout mode. And so that was kind of this this clue to me to be like, you're not in that place anymore. You know, like when I was there for a few days, I was like, you're not there anymore. And it feels so good to be away from it. Like, I don't want to go back. Right. But then a, my ego pops up again and is like, yeah, but are you going to be productive? Are you going to like, are you doing enough? Like once things are open, are you going to be, right? you know, it's just like. And it feels I feel like this whole this whole experience is like is healing from burnout. Like this is what the healing looks like. Yeah. I mean I think it'll be interesting as as again, as difficult as I think this quarantine is from a mental health perspective, I think 
the more we can really sit in it and talk about it and kind of hash through all of these feelings. Right. Because I'm just hashing. Listen to me. I'm just rumble, rambling on and on. I don't even know. thing because then it allows you to start healing. Like once you can recognize some of those yeah. things, like if you didn't have enough time, if you weren't moving slow enough or having enough downtime to like recognize those things, you'd never have the opportunity to work on them. Right. Like this is what feels good. Like it, it feels good for me to have time in my evening to cook a dinner that is delicious and filling and, and feels good to eat and sit down and eat it with other people that I care about. And then that we like play a card, play cards right. together. Like it's, it's so, I, I love that. And I'm like, okay, well, and that, you know, that voice will creep in and be like, well, that's not going to last forever. Like that. And I'm like, but why can't it? Like I'm, I'm in control of my For life. Sure. Like I can decide what, how I And spend you can my time. also like, you know, remember, so it might not happen every day. Right. I mean, sure. Right. Of course. Not but happening today. Yeah. you can remember now, like now we have the opportunity to be like, oh, I, I really do love that. Like, whereas I don't feel like we had the opportunity to even see that it was such, yeah. and it, as a mom, like I'm not going out to right. you know the the hip places anymore, but it's the rat race of kids' activities, and yeah, it's not like now we're doing like I, we played Clue today, like yeah, <laughs> and it was a shit show, and I don't know yeah. that we'll play Clue. That might be one thing. One of the things I mark off of my list. Of things to do. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, but you know. I mean, we would have never played Clue. As a family, like yeah, no, I I'm I'm on I'm playing Rummy <laughs> like three nights a week. I'm playing Rummy and I really enjoy it, and I can't wait to like get to the next game. <laughs> it's but I think it also is like this whole larger conversation that I have on this podcast every time. This is also just further proof that like I selfishly just do this podcast for me because I need to hear it come out of my mouth. Fifty thousand hours of time that I'm talking, of, of just like being able to identify mm-hmm. joy, which essentially what what brings you joy, which is essentially is saying how do I take care of myself, exactly, and that you can't you can't find you can't identify and figure out how to take care of yourself in a way that's meaningful to you if you are like in this constant burnout rat race or like maybe you can pick a few things and like oh let me squeeze in this 30 minutes of taking time for myself and like that is not enough no and that's the interesting thing too it's like so for self-care you know everyone's like do some self-care go get a massage or go get you know a manicure or a pedicure whatever it may be we can't do that I haven't been able to do that right so what are some other forms of self-care and like you know maybe traditional self-care what everybody describes as self-care is not really what brings you joy so mm-hmm. like sure maybe playing yep. rummy is your yes playing rummy self-care. making dinner and cleaning up and having my kitchen be clean when i'm done with like having the time to have a clean kitchen after i've made it messy that is definitely i need self-care. some self-care i think what would bring me joy is like basking in your sunlight your in your place oh yeah surrounded by all of your plants yes. <laughs> Yes. I can't keep plants alive. I mean, I'm I'm trying really hard to keep all three kids alive. I can't take on any more plants, but I love (laughs) your pictures of your plants and your videos. I'm like, oh my gosh, I would love to just lay in the middle of all of those plants. 
but I can't. I will. You'll have to, you'll have to come over once we're, once we're, I don't know. I don't know the rules anymore, but sometimes I may never leave. That's come over. <laughs> Moving in. Yeah. Oh, speaking of never leaving, who, as our wild card question, Mandy, who do you want to be quarantined with? I'm really excited to hear your answer. I know. You know, I've gone back and forth a million times, but I have to go back to like the first thing that popped into my head. Um, yeah, you have to. Because I just. I've always said, like, if I could be anybody or if I could, like, trade places with someone, uh, it would be Ellen DeGeneres. Like, interesting. Okay. I, I like there's so, and I'm like, why? What is this about it? But first of all, she's hilarious. But the other mm-hmm. thing that I love, what brings me joy is, like, being able to, like, give to other people, like, and see that, like, to make, like, a huge impact on people. Um, yeah. And she gets to do that like all the time. It's like her and Oprah of like car for you, car for you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like just the hearing like the inspiring stories that she always, you know, brings to light and then like playing a part totally. of that. and then just like and I feel like she's kind of like Jess and that like you could dance it out with her and everything would be fine. Yeah. No matter how bad you're No, for sure. That's a that's a really good one. That's a really good one. And I'm glad that we you we're doing this question as we're kind of slowly moving out of quarantine because I feel more receptive. Because if you would have asked me in like April, I would have been like, I don't want to fucking quarantine with anyone. I want to be completely alone. <laughs> like I am like an all or nothing type of person. Like if I can't be out and be social with everyone, then just I'm in a cell. Like just don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Don't touch me. Right. But now I'm, I'm, I'm coming around. So, and I, I like you, I have to go with the first thing that popped into my head. And, and the first person that popped into my head was Paris Hilton. Really? Yeah. I would think I would love to be quarantined with her and just be in her mansions and like, look at her closet and like, just hear her talk. I think she'd be so entertaining. What is play with her dog nowadays? I don't know. She's a multimillionaire. Who knows? She doesn't care. I know. It always baffles me. Like, what do you, what do you, she's really brilliant, actually. I think. What is, like, her whole simple life thing was just a character. Really? Yeah. 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 I've, I've done some like Paris Hilton research. I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan. I mean, I, I but love do not watching bring her back... simple life. It was yeah. definitely yeah. entertaining, but it's always baffling to me to we do... see like, how do they keep, what do they do once they kind of disappear off this like hot list where they're like constantly stalked? I, I mean, they're probably much happier. And I think she's, I mean, she's still like doing stuff. She has a million things going on, but I will say that I, I do not want her signature iconic, like low slung hip hugger pants to come back. Like we don't need that. You're more the high waisted. No, no one needs that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. No one remember how there used to be like a thong peeking oh, yeah. out on of the of oh, the yeah. jeans. I mean, who thought that was cute? <laughs> I'm afraid it's gonna come back, Mandy. It's gonna come it back. It can't. It can't. It can't it come can't. back. Well, I guess we don't have to. We don't have to do anything about it. But thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you. So what? good to catch up and see you. I'm glad it worked out. No, look, I got 32 minutes and 30 seconds without being interrupted. It's a quarantine record. It is. It's a new record high. It's a new record high. Everyone check out BND. Commit. Look at some super cute workout clothes. Um, got a lot of cool stuff going on. And uh, coming up, we're going to talk sleep. 
My guest today is a doctor of medicine and medical director at UC Health Sleep Medicine Center, specializing in pulmonary disease. She has been practicing for over 30 years, and I'm so excited to pick her brain on all things related to sleep. We know sleep is an important part of a healthy lifestyle, but according to the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, an estimated 70 million people have trouble sleeping. Sleeping well can affect all aspects of our lives, from mood to job to relationships. Here today to help us have a better understanding of our sleep, please welcome Dr. Ann Rowmaker. Hello, Ann. How are you? I'm doing okay. This weather, I have to say, this week has really got me down. Too bad. It's pretty good sleeping weather, actually. <laughs> you you know what? That is true. That is true. It's been very. It's been really chilly for me in my house, which I appreciate, and I do feel like I get a better night's sleep if I'm not like hot and sweating. Of course. Exactly. That's true. Okay. Well, I'm so excited to have you on. I've been talking about having someone that's knowledgeable in sleep come on this podcast since I, I think day one. So I, I have to lead with this. A couple years ago, I listened to a podcast, a Joe Rogan podcast, and he had Matthew Walker on. He's Do a you... wonderful man. He's a great speaker and a wonderful teacher. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I listened to that podcast all about sleep. And a part of me, I was, I was like, oh no, I can never unlearn this now. <laughs> like I can, I, I was like, I wish I could, ignorance is bliss, right? Mm -hmm. Because of course, you, it's like you, you know sleep is important, sleep is important, yes. You can definitely feel it if you don't have a good night's sleep, this and that, but then to hear him and about like everything that it impacts and just, just the true importance, I'm like, well, now I can't forget it. And now anytime I'm up late or I know I have to get up early and I'm, you know, continuing to watch Netflix or I'm staying out, I'm like, you know what you're doing to yourself. You know <laughs> what you're doing to yourself. <laughs> I have no excuse. Um, but I, but I just have a lot of, a lot of questions and I've been focusing on my sleep now for the last couple of months, kind of since quarantine. It's, it's like I have truly no excuse. I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I can keep a consistent bedtime, keep a consistent wake time, all those things. And I've been tracking my sleep on my Fitbit. So I want to, you know, get into that and then talk to you about all that good stuff. But I think to start, you know, tell us a, a little bit about you, you know, what you're, what you do today and the transitions that led you to, to where you are in your career now. Sure. Um, I have been very um, blessed in my life to have to be in the right place at the right time. And so when I was in uh, medical school, the University of Michigan, mm -hmm. um, there, um, one of the affiliate hospitals there, Henry Ford, had one of the very first sleep programs. And so I was doing my ear, nose, and throat rotation, and I Wrote, worked with Dr. Shiro Fujita, who was the first person to come up with a surgery to try to cure sleep apnea. Mm. So then as when I was um, rotating through, he started talking about that. When I was an intern and I stayed at that program, I got to help take care of that patient. And it was so amazing to be affiliated with a field where it was brand new. Mm -hmm. There were only three sleep centers in the country. There were wow. only three in the world, actually, at the time. And wow. so 
to start doing that and saying everything was there to be explored, to be learned. And it was, um, it was very intoxicating. So yeah, it sounds um, exciting. Since I was interested in breathing, which is why I was a pulmonary going to go and my love went into pulmonary. I said, okay, yeah. and breathing, it's important to breathe when you sleep and not everybody does. Um, and of course, once I started studying sleep, when I was um, later in my, I finished my pulmonary, I was in my internal medicine training, pulmonary training, I'd gone to California. And then I um, was doing, my interest in sleep was still strong. And so at that point, I went to Stanford, which was um, the leading uh, sleep program. And the world just opened up. There's so many things that has to do with the brain and the breathing and the body and it's yes. everything. And it's just been a wonderful ride. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask about the connection with, you know, studying or specializing in pulmonary disease and sleep, but I think that you, you kind of touched on it. You had, did you first have an, have an interested interest in breathing and then sleep kind of came along or what was the, where was the first one? Well, I was, um, I, probably they came close together because mm -hmm. I was um, interested in pulmonary and the first, so when I was a second year resident, uh, the pulmonary people were working with your nose and throat people and the sleep people. Mm -hmm. And so I started a research project with them and that was with about sleep and people who stopped breathing in sleep or sleep apnea. Yeah. And so they were, they were together at the same time. So my mm. introduction to them was both at once. And um, I have to say that like many people, I was, the intensive care unit was pretty sexy. Yeah. But, you know, it was pretty cool that you went in and you did all this great stuff and thinking that you're gonna try to help people come back from the brink of death. Um, but sure. it's really, really rewarding when you can help someone either get a good night's sleep, you really can change lives. And as we've learned more, we find out that sleep disordered breathing actually is deadly. Mm -hmm. And um, all of these things that disturb sleep actually affect the entire body and they affect our, our life expectancy and our quality of life. And so it's just been, um, it's, it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, we, I've definitely touched on how important I learned about sleep from, from Matthew Walker, but to hear it from, you, you know, tell, tell us how important it is, how important sleep is for like the functioning of our overall health and wellness. Do you have a month? <laughs> <laughs> we have a, we have a long time and you can dig in. <laughs> okay. Um, all mammals sleep. Even one-celled organisms have rest and activity cycles. So um, it's built in. And um, Dr. Alan Rechtschaffen, who was one of the early sleep pioneers, he, when he went in at the, at the University of Chicago, the young man decided that his career goal was to learn why we sleep. Mm -hmm. And um, I was there at our national meeting when we um, honored him at a, as his retirement. And he's a brilliant man who's published and taught everywhere. And he stood up and he said, I have failed. I still don't know why we sleep. Although I believe Dr. Walker has probably figured that out. <laughs> but um, he did show that if you deprive 
rats, for instance, of even just rapid eye movement sleep, they died. And so um, the idea that you, you need to sleep in order to stay alive, you need to sleep in order to stay sane, because mm -hmm. when we sleep deprive people for, I mean, that's a form of torture. You keep them away, they start to hallucinate and they become psychotic and that's a very bad thing. For sure. Um, I, I turn into a toddler myself when I don't have <laughs> enough sleep. <laughs> I can feel me just mentally shutting down. No one wants to be around me. I mean, I feel like I, I can't make decisions. Well, that would be correct. And the decisions you yeah. might make would be wrong. So don't. Right. Not good. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so studies have shown that the first thing that goes when you start to um, um, restrict people's sleep is collegiality. So you actually, that is yes. the first skill that you lose when you get tired <laughs> is the ability to play nicely in the sandbar. Oh, yes. I, yep, that's true. I'll and, tell you from so <laughs> they, experience. They look at night, night shift workers, they're looking at nurses and found that the first thing they lost was that. And then it went on to lose uh, more social skills. And then you start to have impaired judgment and you start to make mistakes and you can be tired enough that people can tell you, you know, put your right foot in front of your left and you can't figure out which is your right foot. Mm. So um, we don't, we try our best not to sleep deprive people to that point. Right. Um, but sleep is necessary for health and well-being. So it affects our sanity. It affects our mood. It affects mm -hmm. our cardiovascular system. People who sleep less than six hours a night die at a faster rate than those who sleep seven or seven and a half. Yes. There's a great study again from the University of Chicago. It's still ongoing. And they um, are doing CAT scans of the chest to look at calcifications in the heart arteries. And they started with people who are 18 to 30 and they do them every 10 years. And they were asking them sleep questions along the way as well. And at year 30, so people are 48 to 60. They found that yeah. people who slept six hours or less had a 26% incidence of calcification of the heart arteries compared to only six to 7% of those who slept seven hours. Wow. So wow. clearly, you know, we get hardening of the arteries. We get mm. um, heart disease. We know that people who are short sleepers are three to five times more likely to become diabetic. They're more likely to develop hypertension. They're more likely to have strokes. So we know that there's a health cost to all of this. Now, there are some people who are naturally short sleepers. And yeah. they're very lucky because they get a lot done and they feel great. Right. <laughs> they don't right. drink caffeine and they feel wonderful. Right. But so for the rest freaks, of us, freaks of nature. Yeah, that's yeah, what I call the rest them. Of us <laughs> make time to go to sleep. Well, one of the things that really struck me on the podcast that I listened to was that you hear a lot of people say, right, oh, I only need four to five. I'm fine. I'm high functioning without any sleep. And what Dr. Walker found really was like, that's a very, very, very small percentage of the population. That's correct. That's right. correct. Because most of the people who say they're fine at four or five are drinking a lot of caffeine Ooh, or a yeah. lot of energy drinks. Mm -hmm. um, and they pay the price. Mm -hmm. The body is still, if you're running on adrenaline to keep you going and you're always hyper and you're, I mean, you're always up, you pay the price. Um, and there, the number of people who really only need four to six hours of sleep is less than 0.1%. Mm. 
Yeah, that's, yeah, so it's, it's really not you. You're not special. Don't think that you are. People listening here are like, <laughs> I'm fine. I can do it. No, that's not you. <laughs> Being able to say I can do it doesn't mean you should do it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. So if we're, if we're talking a lot with this six hour, seven hour, what's a, the optimal range? Um, seven to seven and a half hours for most people is, is. So seven and a half is actually the set point we see from large scale studies around the world. Um, the sleep, people sleep between, generally sleep between six and nine hours and there's a U-shaped survival curve. And okay. so between seven and a half hours is the middle point there. And that's where we have the best health generally or okay. people who live in that seven to eight hour range. Okay. Um, okay. I'm taking a look now at my past, my past sleep data here and since i since i started keeping track i have like an average seven hours 23 seven hours 55 seven hours 38 so i'm looking pretty good except this this week before i had an average of six hours and 40 minutes so that is not good well it's not terrible either six hours and 40 minutes close to seven but we know that when people sleep even just a half an hour less like getting six and a half instead of seven Mm -hmm. They are already becoming more irritable and you can measure that their um, memory is not as good as it is when they have the others. And that's one of Dr. Walker's uh, huge contributions to the field was looking at showing the importance of sleep and not just sleep in general, but specific sleep stages uh, in different types of memory. And also looking at the fact that um, they have to go through some of the memories you have to go through a certain sequence of sleep stages to get those memories encoded. So mm -hmm. your brain is working the whole time that you are asleep. Which is and just fascinating to me. At the, when even in your deepest sleep, at least 10% of your neurons are in the wake state. Otherwise wow. it would be called coma, not sleep, yeah. because you'd be unarousable. Mm -hmm. And if you've, seen, um, if you've seen dolphins or sea otters um, at the zoo, they sleep with only one half of their brain at a time. So they will just flap one fin or whatever and they, they yeah. swim in a circle because oh, half their brain is asleep and half the brain is awake. You do have to watch out for sharks if you're one of those animals. Yeah. And right. so we also, some people who think they have insomnia are actually sleeping fairly well, but they're aware that they're thinking. Oh. Is this like lucid dreaming? It's like lucid dreaming. It's not the same. Lucid dreaming is happening only when you're in REM sleep. And mm -hmm. that REM sleep is more like wake than sleep. But people with lucid dreaming know that it's a dream. When they realize right. the situation's weird, oh, that's because I'm dreaming. Yeah. And sometimes they can say, well, I'm going to dream about something else or I'm going to wake up and stop this. Yeah. Um, but the other is where maybe instead of 10% of your neurons being in wake, maybe you have 15 or 20%. So when we do a sleep study, we've got those electrodes on your head. We still can see that you're asleep, mm. but actually you can tell me that, well, I was thinking about, I was thinking all night. Well, actually, that sounds terrible. <laughs> that happens to people. Well, then the way you can tell it happens. Yes. All of us have some degree of what we call sleep state misperception. Um, the way you know it's the way I know it's happened. All right, I in my pulmonary training in particular, we'd be up all night 
in the intensive care unit. So we'd be up all night, generally every fourth night. Mm -hmm. um, and I know how I felt the next, and we'd work the next day. So I know that by four o'clock the next day, you really didn't like me. You really didn't want to talk mm -hmm. to me too much if you sure. didn't have to. <laughs> so um, when there are nights at home where I think I've been up all night, I mean, I've looked at the clock, I know that I've been up all night, but the next night at four o'clock, I'm not feeling like I've been beaten by a stick and I realize that I'm still functional. Well, I got more sleep the night before than I realized. Right, right. No, I think I've, I've had that experience before where it does feel like you are just constantly up looking at the clock and then come, come morning, you're like, wait, did I sleep? Was I asleep? I think I feel okay, but it's hard to, that boundary of be like awake and asleep is blurry. Yes, it can be. And I, it can be, yeah. and I was telling, I always tell my patients who think I'm, you know, that this is so normal when I, I, I had um, surgery and they put you with the bed staring straight at the clock. Mm. And I knew that I woke up every 15 minutes because they had put a football field worth of gauze in my nose. Mm. And um, I was really, I and drank some water because it was dry. And mm. I remember looking at 2.15 and picking up the pitcher and saying, you know, it's almost empty. I'm going to have to ask the nurse next time for water. Mm -hmm. And 15 minutes later, I opened my eyes. So I think I've been awake the whole time, right? And I pick oh. up the pitcher and it's full. Oh. So obviously I'd fallen asleep probably about 2.18. The nurse had come in, she'd checked on me, she'd get, gotten me new stuff. And I woke up 13 minutes. I, I had no, I, I would have sworn absolutely that yeah, I was right. but here was proof. Yeah. I didn't even realize she was walking next to me. So we all have it. And mm -hmm. um, sometimes, and other people with insomnia truly are awake. They are up and out of bed, but mm -hmm. some of us, it's really, um, our brain isn't telling us we were asleep because it was connecting the dots and said, if I was awake at point A and awake again at point B, I must've been awake the entire time. Yeah. But then when we go to your experience the next day, like you're saying, you feel better than that. Right. Does that have a negative effect on like overall sleep quality or is it just our perception? Just our perception. Just our perception. So this kind of lends to thinking of sleep disorder. So insomnia is one, correct? Mm -hmm. what, yes. What's what's happening there? What's going on? Well, insomnia is a fascinating field and there are, um, we keep looking at it and keep giving it different names and trying to dice it up in different ways. And now after trying to dice it into a million ways, now we come back to acute and chronic. <laughs> mm, okay. That makes but, sense, right? Um, some people have, um, this paradoxical insomnia, that's what it used to be called, where actually the person is sleeping. You put the electrodes on, they're sleeping all night, but they don't realize, they don't perceive it. Mm -hmm. There are no health consequences to that, but it is dissatisfying. People like to be unconscious at night. For sure, definitely, yeah. please, yes. <laughs> and then you look at, there's people who have, react. you know, they have situational insomnia where it comes and goes. They, mm. the night before a test, um, yep. the night before a trip, yeah. some people every Sunday night getting ready to go back to work. Um, yeah. so people can have it intermittently. You have it acutely because let's say you have a cold, so you're not sleeping well for three or four nights. Um, or maybe, um, you know, you have a new job and it takes you a while to settle down. Right. Um, right. Going through some trauma or something. Right. 
And chronic insomnia is for longer than three months. And it's most nights a week. So um, we also look at it um, insomnia with short sleep time and insomnia with normal sleep time. So in pay people who complain of insomnia, the actual difference in time slept per night to normal sleepers, the average is 30 minutes. Oh, wow. So that's really not very much. And those people, they don't, I mean, they don't perceive all that, but their health is not um, really adversely affected. Mm -hmm. But the ones with truly short sleep time, like maybe only four hours a night regularly, I mean, you see, yes, those people have those negative sleep consequences that we were talking yeah. about. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Is it just like it's problem falling asleep or can it be problems like you can fall asleep easily, but then you're up and then you. Yeah, most both? people have a combination. It can be mm -hmm. problems falling asleep, problems staying asleep, waking up too early. Um, and there are lots of things that can cause it. So mm, one is a strong yeah, genetic ask. component. Oh. Okay, so some people have a tendency towards snoring. Some people have a tendency towards insomnia. Mm. Um, some people have it because of medications that they're on. Um, I'm a pulmonologist and some of my asthma medications that I give to patients can actually cause insomnia. Um, some of the, um, medications for lots of other things can interfere with sleep. Um, sometimes it's just that when um, Dr. Spielman in New York at Cornell, he looked at it as you have biological predisposition and then you have um, a precipitating event. And then what you do to cope with the precipitating event ends up perpetuating the insomnia. So mm. if you have sort of a biologic propensity for it. Something pushes you over the edge, whether it's a hard semester in college mm -hmm. or a boss that you really have trouble dealing with or a yeah. child that you're worried about. And then you start trying to cope with it in ways like, oh, I'll just sleep in this morning. Well, then your sleep schedule falls apart and mm -hmm. well, I'm going to work out, but you work out too close to bed and now your adrenaline's high. So now you can't sleep. And now you start to be afraid that I'm not going to go to be able to go to sleep when I go to bed. Right. Oh, that's the worst. Sleep. So now you've caused it <laughs> and the harder you try to sleep, the less of it you get. <laughs> yes. It seems like it seems like you so unfair when you have those situations, like you were talking about, maybe a stressful job or a boss or a life event that's going on, but you really need to sleep. And that's like the one thing that your body's like, nah, we're not going to let you or your mind or whatever <laughs> it is that's controlling it. It's like torturous. Well, you know, the most effective treatment for insomnia is actually cognitive, something called cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. Oh. It, isn't, it isn't a pill and it isn't something, you know, great. It doesn't mean psychotherapy. It's learning other coping skills so that you can do something other than stay awake at night when you can't sleep. Yeah, right. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So for for people that, you know, maybe it's not chronic insomnia or mm -hmm. even acute insomnia, we're just thinking, how do we get a better night's sleep? And before we even dive into that, mm -hmm. I want to talk about like the sleep stages. So I don't know how, I don't know how much you know about like sleep trackers on like fitness watches. Yeah. But right. so what are your thoughts before we, they can't tell sleep stages. They cannot. Damn yeah. it. And <laughs> 
I have been relying on. This is. I'm glad to know they don't know. They don't know what they're talking about. Well, it's all. No, it's no what they're what they're tracking, and mm -hmm. they're getting better at it. They're getting okay. better. Okay. So um, they're tracking movement. Uh huh. Some of them are tracking the combination of movement and light. Okay. And then they start looking at pulse rate. And right. Right. So there are certain things when you are when you go into, for instance, deep sleep. Yeah. So stage three sleep. Um, your your bodily function are totally under what we call parasympathetic control. So the heart rate's very regular. The okay. breathing is very regular. And in rapid eye movement sleep, it's very irregular. It depends on what you're dreaming about. And so they um, they try to use those things. They try to come up with algorithms to predict which of those stages you're in. Now, of course, if you're just lying quietly there reading, you could end up looking like you're in, and you're very relaxed, you could end up looking like you're in stage three sleep, you know, or stage two. So they really, um, they're more likely to be able to tell some of the REM, but the sleep stages are not something you really need to follow because there's <gasps> nothing you can do to actually change what sleep stages you're going to have. You can oh, just look at the big picture. You need to. This see. is just like a weight off my shoulders, and I can't tell you. I you can. I'm. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy to hear because sometimes I will get very stressed out about my sleep because I wake up and I roll over and I look at my Fitbit on my phone and I look to see first did I did I hit my sleep goal, which my sleep goal is seven hours a night. So I look if I got that, and then I look at my score, and they give you a score, and they break down, you know, your. REM, your light sleep and your deep sleep. And there have been times, a couple times now, where my deep sleep, five minutes in deep sleep. And I've had sleep before when it's been an hour and 50 minutes, hour, 45 minutes, but five minutes in deep or like nine so, you minutes. Know, you, actually, you actually average more like 15 to 20% of your night in deep sleep at your age. So... The, Last night I had 12%. It's also to possible so. to live a completely normal life and not have any deep sleep. As we get older, deep sleep uh, becomes less, uh, we see have less of it. And it's especially true in men, not so much in women, but there's, you know, they, we don't discern a significant difference. There's some thoughts that if we, that some of the aging process would be improved if we had more deep sleep oh, we don't it. have proof of that okay, okay. <laughs> the way we define deep sleep um like in a sleep lab has to do with not only how fast the brain waves are but how tall they are as you get older they're not as tall but they're mm. still slow so when we say they don't have any well i think they actually do we just have an arbitrary system for counting them mm. the fact that Dr. Rekshoff and Dr. Kales looked at a bunch of EEGs and said, we're going to call this stage one, this stage two, and this stage, you know, we're going to make this up. And these are the rules we're going to follow. Doesn't mean the brain was following those rules. Right, right, right. And so does it, I had read on my, my Fitbit too, which I'm so happy we have this debunking happening here, that, you know, the different stages are responsible for some different functions. I think, you know, for example, it said deep sleep was related to like recovery, like body repair. REM was maybe mood, memory. 
How does that really shake out? Well, we haven't, since Dr. Uh, Rakshafen's retirement, we have not answered the entire story of the universe here. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> we know um, you need actually to go through the different sleep stages in order to get certain things done. You can't just, so there are studies where we, um, where you wear headphones while you're sleeping and we put tones when you get into certain sleep stage to deprive the person of that sleep stage to try to get an idea of what do they do differently without it. Okay, so different kinds of memory, different types of tasks are, uh, have different susceptibilities at different sleep stages. It appears that REM sleep particularly is one of the things that I was most fascinated with is when they were teaching people new skills, knew something. And the people who then were allowed to sleep and have a longer sleep night had better recall the next day mm -hmm. than the ones who were sleep deprived. But if they deprive them of REM sleep, the, well, the difference was that people who had learned a new skill and are now put in a completely different situation where you could use that skill if you thought about it, right? Mm -hmm. So the people who had been deprived of REM sleep couldn't figure out that they could use what they had learned in a different situation. So uh -huh. somebody made the comment that you need um, the other sleep stages for memory. You need REM sleep for wisdom. Mm, and it appears also for emotional modulating that if you lose REM sleep, you, you start to have more problems with emotional um, stability and emotional memory. But we have no control over no, we fluctuating don't. between the stages. There's nothing we can do. No pre-work before bed, no, nothing. No, no. So what well, we that's not fair. Sure it is. Because <laughs> they're all necessary. They'll all work together. And what we need to do is to take care of ourselves. And so the one thing, there are a couple of things that make a big difference. You've already pointed one out is to give yeah. yourself time to do it. But another is to exercise because exercise okay. um, has a significant um, effect on relaxation. So um, exercise between four and seven in the afternoon, for instance, has a, can have a big effect because you're getting rid of a lot of that muscle tension that you've been holding in all day and the coworker who said something mean to you and you sure. knew in your head that they were just having a bad day, but it didn't matter. Your body still felt like you'd been attacked. Yeah, you can release all of that. You can go for a long walk. You can go mm -hmm. run. You can go do something, and it's much easier then to relax and get the sleep that you need. We also know that um, the exercise makes people. It, it can. Um, it actually helps uh, in in mice and other animals. It actually um, decreases the memory. Um, the the memory effects of sleep deprivation. So you actually are able to think better even though you haven't had quite as much sleep as you needed because oh. you're improving the blood flow to your brain when you exercise. Mm. So, mm -hmm. um, but it exercise is one of the most overlooked and cheapest forms of therapy. It decreases the risk of stroke, of dementia, of all kinds of stuff. And, if, and it helps with sleep. So you don't have to go, you don't have to run a marathon. You don't have to change clothes and sweat all over, but you need to go Get rid of the stress that you brought home get from some, work. Yep, get some movement. Yep. 
Interesting. Okay. Well, what about, you know, I've heard some things that we should, the consistent, like the timing, going to bed and waking up at the same time. Does that have any? The most important thing is the time you wake up every day. Right. The time you get up every day is going to determine when you're going to go to sleep Mm -hmm. at night. And so getting up at the same time every day is very important. Um, Everything, the entire, every cell in the body has a clock. And so if you think about it, sleep and wake are not, do not direct all of the tissues, right? So yeah. we have this conductor in our brain, this superchiasmatic nucleus, and it, its job is to regulate all of the clocks. So I think of it as an orchestra. If you have all these different instruments running around in your body and you've got the master clock, you're getting up at the same time, you're exposed to light, you do your thing, you follow a schedule, it's like the conductor, and then you actually come out with music as opposed mm. to every organ's running on its own clock because you don't have a stable wake rhythm for the body to tee off on, and so nothing's working as well. You're, you know, we look at like jet lag as a really good example of that. You end up yeah. with problems with your stomach aches, you have your bowels don't work as well, you have a headache. Your muscles right. ache. You just don't feel good. Yep. And that's because they're now running on different schedules. And it can take three months at a new location to get the entire body back onto the same clock. Wow. Wow. So really important, same wake-up time. Mm-hmm. And it's probably then not a great practice where maybe we're up at you know really early during the week to get a workout in before work whatever it is and then on the weekends you know it's like a 10 30 sleep in that could be a difference of like hours of the wake up time that's pretty common in adolescence and early yeah. adult life right um, but it is not a sustainable practice <laughs> Your body, you can do that till about 40 and then the body starts to complain and tells you that it's not going to do that. It's it's just going to, it's just going to wake up at the same time. Well, or you start to hurt. I mean, you start to not Mm. feel as good and you start to realize that you really do need to get more rest in order to think clearly and to be somebody your family wants to be around. Right. It's important. (laughs) What about, you know, like maybe shift workers or I, I think like new parents. Yep. who their sleep schedule, right, is tossed out the window. What can they do to get Just this remember optimal? that it's going to be over. It's temporary. Yeah. I have four children. <laughs> and, so, um, and it wasn't the parents. It was the, it was the mother. But, um, you know, it goes away. Most babies yeah. are sleeping through the night by the time they're five to six months old. Yeah, mine each took a year, but you know it doesn't last forever. Yeah, yeah. And that's so you do things with the first one. You can do things like try to take naps, but you can't do that. I was going to ask about more. naps. And right. Nap. <laughs> you do nap. You can. You don't take naps if you have insomnia. You can take naps if you're a shift worker or you really didn't get enough sleep the night before, and you're taking a little. You know, you're uh-huh. going to help out with your total sleep debt. But if you have insomnia, taking naps just perpetuates the insomnia. But for someone who's otherwise a normal mm. sleeper, they're just not getting enough sleep. They can take naps. Um, 
but if they're working full time and they've got and or have little other small children, somebody's got to stay awake and make sure they're not playing in the street. So um, sure. the nice thing there is as parents, you can take turns. So, mm-hmm. you know, tonight's interesting that it doesn't take very long for parents to wake up only to the cry of the child that they're responsible for. So I've seen couples where, you know, mom says the deal is mom's going to respond to child one and two and dad's going to take three or whatever, or whatever. And within about two weeks, they're waking up only to the cries of the child that they know they're responsible for. Aren't humans incredible? They are. The other thing you can do is just to say, we're going to take turns. And so every other night or every other week or on the weekends, you are going to get up at night and I'm going to catch up on my sleep. I mean, we just mm-hmm. have to work together and be kind to one another, but, and yeah. know that it will end. Yeah. You've, you've mentioned this now, the sleep debt or catching up on sleep. Is that something we can do or we can take care of sleep debt or kind of work you can to only replenish it? You can only pay off about half of the sleep debt. So okay, you don't so. make up stage two or stage one. You'll make up stage REM and stage three. You let the and the other two take up fifty percent of the night. You won't make those up. But your body will. Then, so if you go, if you've been sleep deprived, I'll just say like my residency where we were up all night every fourth night. Yep. And at the end of that time, um, when I went on to fellowship, I slept twelve hours a night for six months. Wow. And then it was back to normal. I was going to ask if you can get too much sleep, if that was a possible thing, because sometimes if I do like a nine or, you know, very rarely for whatever reason, 10, I can wake up feeling like an entirely new person. But then I think like, what was that too much? Like, you know, (laughs) you get too much sleep. you You can't force yourself to sleep too much unless you take medication. Okay. So if you are, if that's when you wake up, you had the need to do that. And um, adults up to the age of about 25 actually do best with 10 hours of sleep a night. It's after 25 that our brain really is fine with the seven and a half to eight, but almost no 25 year old sleep 10 hours a night. Almost everybody sleeps seven, six to eight or whatever. And then they sleep in on the right. weekends and they, yeah. there doesn't seem to be a die off of young adults anywhere. So, right. Yeah, you know, it's, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, it's enough sleep to be, to keep your health, to keep your health going. It's not quite enough to meet. And when they, you know, they look at people, Dr. Karskadden did this test at Brown, she went to college kids and they all said that they felt fine and they weren't sleepy during the day. Sure. And she did something called a sure. sleep latency test and measured their sleepiness during the day and found that they could fall asleep almost as fast as somebody that we would say have narcolepsy, but they felt fine. And right. Then, that so always sleep 10 that, hours a day. They didn't do that anymore. They had a normal sleep latency. Yeah. That always makes me think of like, do you know what it's like to feel good? <laughs> like, do you know, like, like, and I guess there's a difference, right? Of like, yes, am I functioning? I'm pleasant enough to be around or am I at this optimal high level of functioning that, you know, I might need to perform really well in my job or whatever, be, be the best parent, be the best friend, be the best partner that I can be. I think there's, there's somewhat of a difference. Like, yeah, I can get by. Sure. And then, okay, wait, now I'm like operating like all, all systems go. 
Yeah, well, everybody cycles in and out of those things. Right. You know, nobody, right, of course. Nobody's always at 100%. And the fact that sometimes, you know, you after the birth of a child, you can be on pretty low low level for six months or mm-hmm. a year, and then you kind of come back up and it happens again. Or, you know, teenagers will, um, when kids hit puberty, all of a sudden their body clock changes. And so mm-hmm. they now want to stay up late and they want to sleep in late and they want to get to, you know, they're still, but that they, they need that 10 hours or more, but they don't want to spend that much time in bed, except on weekends when they'd like to spend 12 to 14 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's the autonomy issue. So it's a more complicated picture than, than I know. So we it's... just need to let our body, we need to listen to our bodies and sleep when they tell it tells us we need to sleep. And yeah. I know easier said than done sometimes. So if we are coming from like a sleep to, you know, maybe it was a really hectic week at work or something and we are not getting as much sleep as, as we would like, and we feel the effects when it comes to napping, is there an, you know, I've heard 20, like a 20 minute nap is a good period of time. Does that hold weight? Does it matter? Nap when you can. What do you think? Well, a twenty-minute nap in the afternoon is something that all of us would take. Okay, so that's the we have a there's a circadian dip in alertness between two and six p.m. for those of us yeah. who go to bed between ten and eleven. Okay. And we, yeah. if we're sitting still and not doing anything, we will fall asleep for about twenty to thirty minutes. Now that isn't going to necessarily be restorative for someone who that's someone who's got normal sleep. Someone who's sleep deprived really is going to want to take a longer nap than that. Yeah. Yeah. I have been in a situation where I felt, I have felt that dip in energy and I've tried to more recently, you know, not just go for the afternoon coffee or, you know, the, the afternoon caffeine and just do, I set a timer on my phone for 20 minutes mm-hmm. and I will wake up feeling like, okay, I'm, I'm good. Like I just needed that little power nap. That, yeah. That little reset. Um, but for sure, when I am really sleepy and then I do that 20 minute, I, I do feel better after, but it's every time I'm like laying down for it, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to want more than this. <laughs> I'm going to want more than this. I think one of the beauties, it depends on what else you're doing that day. If you have the luxury, you know, I will, just lie down. And if I, most of the time, I know I'm going to wake up in 20 minutes if I do that on the weekend, but every once in a while, if it was a bad night or lots of phone calls from the hospital or whatever. Yeah. It's an hour. Yeah. I yeah. just want to make sure that I am up before five o'clock because I don't want to, I don't want to disturb my nighttime sleep. So right. if I, you know, if I hit the wall at four or three and I, you know, I, I don't set an alarm when I nap because yeah. I, I will wake up soon enough, I think. But um, when I was single and it was quieter in the house, I could do that. And I would still make sure then that I was up by four or five because I did not want to. The The problem with a nap going too long yeah. is just that you then can't go to sleep. And now you're perpetuating the insomnia. Now you're perpetuating a sleep problem. But right. You know, you're gonna, you'll feel better if you get, you need to catch up on some of that sleep because you don't feel good otherwise. Yeah. So we can, we can catch up a little bit on some. Oh of yeah. That. Yeah. The end. Okay. Okay. So it your body will first catches up on deep sleep and then on dream sleep on the REM sleep. And so you go through a rebound. So that's, but yes, yeah, your brain, your body and your brain want it. So 
No point. <laughs> yes, no, I, I feel that. Uh, okay, I have a question about this experience that I have yeah. uh, almost every night. I, as I'm falling asleep, I will like twitch and mm -hmm. sometimes so aggressively that it wakes me up like out of my like I'm falling asleep really happy about that and I will just like get this twitch <laughs> I'm just like woken up what is that happening do you know a sleep startle its other name is a hypnic jerk so it's a normal part of stage one sleep and you just okay, have so a muscle you just you usually it's the leg you know it's like it bounces off mm -hmm. the bed like you're stepping off a curb but it can be any part it can be the whole body it can be the arms but it is uh, in stage one sleep your brain is moving between sleep and wake and things aren't completely regulated at that point and so you right. just your brain was trying to shut off and the motor area of the brain went oops what one more thing <laughs> yeah that happens all the time i've always one more thing. Oh, gosh. Oh. Yeah. When those happen recurrently, we don't treat them unless they're happening recurrently. So for some people, you know, if you had every time you did it, it was taking, you know, five, six or seven of them in a row and you couldn't get to sleep, yeah. then a muscle relaxer. So otherwise, it's just, this is just part of, it's a normal variant and almost everybody yeah. has it sometimes. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. That's good to know. What does your, how's your sleep hygiene do you feel good about where your sleep is has it kind of evolved over the years no i've actually even before i even before i studied sleep i never pulled an all-nighter i never did this i um i um would study i studied till midnight i was mm -hmm. and then i'd come back and i would be a get up at eight and or seven wow. to I had eight five lots of you know pre-meds have a lot of eight o'clock classes so i guess college i'd probably be at the library till it closed at midnight um get back be in bed by one get up by seven so probably i that that was that was pretty sleep deprived for me and then in residency well the the last two years of medical school and all of residency and so I should be up all night every fourth night um i'm kind of like clockwork it'll be pretty funny i will be reading and it I, will say, I can't keep my eyes open. It's always at 10.38. I mean, to the minute, 10.38, yeah. my brain says, turn that light off. I can't do it yeah. anymore. <laughs> and so I have a very strong clock. My husband, of course, is a night owl, and he does not. So that, and opposites always attract. So night owl, owls always marry morning people. <laughs> Isn't that isn't that funny? And and that's, I mean, that I feel like that's just some people are that way, right? It's like you're born where you have like energy genetic. to do. For many, it's genetic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I would be the same. Like if I had, I'm the same way now within college, work, whatever it is, I would much rather go to bed at my normal time and mm -hmm. wake up a little bit earlier where I like, I feel like my body is so more receptive and Mm -hmm. resourceful then versus like staying up late i'm garbage like i can't i can't even there's no use it'd be pointless for me to even do it <laughs> well there there's a strong genetic component and about 80 percent of us and i'm really in this category are adaptable so our body clock will shift to whatever our work schedule is or what we have to yeah do. about 15 percent right. of us are really night owls 
and about 5% are true morning people where they like to get up at four or five in the morning. It's no, I think painful. Yeah. I, I think of myself as quote unquote, a morning person because I like to get up and I can immediately get out of bed and like start my day. Whereas I know some people like just waking up for them takes like an hour of like, okay, an hour on the bed. Yeah. Now it's like we slowly are moving over here. And yeah. I'm, I'm someone that truly like, I, ju I jump out of bed. I'm like, I'm ready to go. Um, but not at normal. They are. <laughs> What's that? I said, your jumping out of bed is not normal. The sleep inertia of taking a long time to wake oh. up. People aren't fully alert until about nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> oh, okay. So shoot. Well, bad. then that's my bad. <laughs> that's something that makes you special. It's not something bad. That's something yeah, yeah. everybody give their eyes to have what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I should be. I'm grateful for that for sure. Is there anything, um, any tips or anything that we can do to work on our sleep hygiene? I know you mentioned getting, you know, setting, having the same wake up time, anything about, you know, going to bed, you know, we've heard, heard having nighttime routines or not looking at screens or, you know, all the things that, that you've probably heard too. What holds truest? People who check their email at night after about eight o'clock sleep an hour less than people who don't. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> That's good to know. Okay. No emails after, at night. After that, you know, depending on what time your bedtime is, that after eight or nine o'clock, you should put it away. You're right. And the screens should be put away an hour before bedtime. Your brain needs time to disengage from the world and you need yeah. time to relax. So that bedtime routine, whether it's watching television, it's something mindless. You don't want to watch there. There's some of these um, murder mysteries that, you know, oh, they're so violent. It's like, no, I'm staying awake. Right. But, Your heart rate is like through the roof. And there and books, um, I things like reading a magazine because the story will end and you won't be waiting to see what happens next. I love I love books. I love to read. So I can't do those uh, most of them at night if I really like the book, unless I'm reading something that I've read before. Oh yeah. Okay. That I enjoy it. The craft is good, but I'm not waiting to see what happened. Or it's also when I'm really tired, but I know that my brain is, I'm still pretty tense. All those catalogs that you get in the mail, looking at pictures, it's, it's like a grown up picture book. <laughs> Let me just yep. look at pictures and throw them away. And then, but it helps disengage from whatever else I was doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. That makes sense. And, and, you touched on this as well. The the while well, exercise is great, maybe not so close to bedtime. Four hours. Four hours. Four hours. Right. You'd like about four hours. I know my daughter never believes this and has trouble sleeping and she thinks that hitting the gym at nine and getting home at ten thirty or eleven and then wonders why she can't. She doesn't believe her mom who has studied <laughs> sleep for this long. And none of my kids do. <laughs> Neither does yeah. my husband. What can I say? <laughs> No, I'm not like, that doctor, you know? What can I yeah, do? yep, yep, I get it, I get it. So mm -hmm. yeah, so no, I'm not working out as close to bed. No, I've, I have, um, I felt that too. I'm, I love to go on walks. It's mm -hmm. one of my most favorite forms of exercise. And especially, well, before this week, when the weather starts to change, it's getting nicer, it's darker later. Mm -hmm. I like love to go on mm -hmm. a walk, you know, towards the end of the night. But I felt, and I live in a very area so it's not mm -hmm. a casual little stroll like I'm 
my heart rate is elevated. I found then that it's, it's, it feels harder for me to, to get to sleep and stay asleep. Right. And so that's yeah. why I said between four and 7 PM, we try to be, yeah. if you're going to go to bed at 10 or 11, you should probably be done by seven. Um, if yeah. you're going to bed okay. at midnight, you could probably make it till eight, but you need the time for the adrenaline level to come down. Mm. Some okay. people who are, who go to bed and all of a sudden it pops into their head, all the stuff they have to do the next day, they do well with something called um, a designated worry time, but like after dinner, not right at bedtime, where you write down everything you've got to do tomorrow and oh, yes. when you're going to do it. And then I keep, you can keep a pad. I used to, I do keep pad and pen next to your bed. So if you wake up in the middle of the night and you think of something, you write it down instead of trying to stay. Otherwise, we try to remember it. That keeps you awake all night trying to remember it. So just write it down so that you know you're going to do that the next day. But otherwise, yeah. you wake up, okay, I already know when I'm going to do that. I've thought about that or sometimes it helps to sit down and write what what are you stressed out about what's going on at work and what can you do about it and you know you write it out mm -hmm. in the book and then you know your your journal and then there are certain things where I have no control over this I have to learn how to let go mm -hmm. right that's the that, name of the game right and some people find that music helps them do that you know at night that they can start listening to various types of music that help them slow down and help them relax. It's one other thing to, and maybe not exercise, maybe stretch, but just to yeah. get comfortable and just to, you know, be feel good. Yeah. Yeah. We mentioned that this weather right now is good for, for sleep. So when it comes to the environment that we're sleeping in, cool, dark, right? Absolutely. Our body temperature falls as we're going to sleep and it drops to its lowest point around four in the morning. It starts to rise and that's what wakes us up, which is why if you stay up late, you can't sleep in past a certain point after, unless you're totally exhausted because your body yeah. temperature is rising and that's what messes up shift workers who can't adapt oh. back and forth because their body clock is rising. They're going to have to wake up even though they're tired. So um, cool rooms, definitely dark. Um, there are some people who've had emotional trauma who really find a dark room to be oppressive. In yeah. which case, um, we recommend a red nightlight because red light doesn't affect your sleep and yet you can still see the floor and you can still know that no one is bothering. There's nobody there to hurt you. Yep, yep. My phone shifts to that night like mode. red mode. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. My phone and my computer do, but I'm really going to try to stay off that computer and no more emails. If you're telling me they get an hour less sleep, that is, <laughs> that's something I can control for sure. Mm -hmm. Anything else? And before we shift gears a little bit and, and talk about, you know, your, your routines and rituals that help you stay mentally, physically fit, anything else sleep wise that you think is really important for people to hear that maybe they they haven't known or another myth debunk anything you can think of yeah caffeine affects your sleep for up to eight hours after you drink it so you need to stop drinking caffeine in the early afternoon not have it up until nighttime whoa eight hours yep you know what i did feel that just last night i was kind of feeling that little slump and probably around 3 4 p.m i had caffeine and 
I'm I my bedtime is usually like 11 11 30 mm-hmm. and it was probably close to midnight and I was like oh I'm not even tired yet like this is bizarre and I was like what's going on what's going on I was like oh it was that caffeine I bet earlier in the afternoon yep yep damn okay so, so there's that and the other is that um, people should not really be eating after about eight o'clock at night people I mean especially <sighs> in this country tend to think they're gonna have a snack before they go to bed that's a really not a good idea at all it um it causes there are a number of health issues that are associated with that Mm. and you really don't want to associate eating with sleeping because that can become um, ingrained and then you can't Mm. sleep if you don't eat and then all that tends to the food that you eat close to bedtime tends to just turn to fat and studies showing that people who eat after eight even though they eat the same number of calories as somebody else they're more likely to gain weight with it because we metabolize it differently when it's late in the day but it's not good for your sleep and it's not good for your metabolism yeah i've i've heard a lot too of just like the circadian rhythm of of food and like the eating window right i've played around with that a while and i felt i have felt really good when i don't eat after 6 p.m. You know, I start like earlier, keep it at like an eight hour eating window. My digestion and everything would just feel so much better. And my sleep is better too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So, so, so talk to us a little bit about um, some of the things that you do. You know, how do you take care of yourself? Anything to, to help you stay mentally, physically fit? Well, actually, um, I Right now, I am waiting to have um, surgery on a um, on my um, hip, so I'm not doing any of the things that I would oh, yeah. have normally done. But throughout my life, I've either um, I quit running um, after I had children and moved to rapid walking. <laughs> mm, um, so walking. I really, you know, my goal was I would usually do two to three miles, usually three miles, um, so it'd be about an hour. And mm-hmm. um, I would always, I feel better if I do it after work, but I have trouble having time to do that and take care of everything else. And I would try to do it early and I would get so tired that I couldn't because I do much better with yeah. it after work. So <laughs> flipping, flopping back on that. Um, but I really, um, I, the other thing is, which has nothing to do with sleep in particular, but is making time for yourself. Yes. sure that you take, because I, um, I'm a professor of medicine, so I am teaching and I'm doing research and I am um, working 14 hours a day. So when I come home, I need to, um, now, now during the pandemic, we're not working quite so many hours, except when we mm-hmm. are in the hospital, we take turns with that. But um, taking time out to do things that are important, like reading or gardening or, hand, or something that is just just for me. Yes. And making sure I connect because I'm a social creature and I need to stay connected with the people who matter to me. And so Mm -hmm. doing those things. And then I do go to bed at the same time every night and I get up at the same time every day. Um, do you ever do do you have periods of time where you, do you feel tired? Do you feel like you're not getting good sleep? I have times. Well, because this, you know, the, my current orthopedic issue hurts oh, my yeah. very well. I, I often feel that way, but 
you know, there are times where even though I'm trying to keep the regular schedule, um, I'm not sleeping well because there's still stress at work or there's somebody I'm worried about. Or I, as I said, I have four children that off, although they're adults and they're wonderful people, there's always something for me to worry about because it's my job. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there'll be nights where you don't sleep well and you're tired the next day and you just, I remember a time earlier in our life when my husband said to me once on vacation, he said, I'd forgotten how much fun you are when you get enough sleep. Oh boy. <laughs> and I said, Oh, I try very hard not to bring things home. And he goes, you don't, you're not irritable, but you're fun. You're funny. Oh, you're laughing. Wow. You're, there's a difference when you've had enough sleep. And so from that time forward, I thought at that time I only had two children, but I thought, well, what do I want them to remember? Um, yeah. The house was always clean and that everything was ready. Or I want them to remember they had a mother who could laugh and a mother who loved them. So I decided that I was going to practice what I preached and actually make sleep a priority and um, just try to make it. I, I want to have time to laugh with my kids yeah. and to enjoy being with me. Yeah. Yeah. That's really powerful because I think it goes back to, right. Maybe you, you weren't, you weren't being irritable or you weren't doing anything negative. It was fine, but it wasn't that your optimal best self. So it's like, you're really, yeah. Really making that decision of like, okay, if I prioritize this sleep, which, you know, maybe that's a less, one less episode on Netflix or Mm -hmm. one hour less of working late to, Mm-hmm. to be like the best version of myself ultimately like that seems like a an easier decision when you think of it that way absolutely and it was i at the same time i'd asked my grandmother to tell me about her mother right i was interested in the my ancestors and all she could say to me was well she always worked oh so i asked her sisters my great aunts were still alive and they they all said well she was always working well now that would have been you know a hundred and 40 years ago and she did have to but I thought how sad it was and I was afraid and when he said that to me my husband said I thought that's what my kids are going to think oh she always worked so oh. I you're right I just said okay I I need to make a different decision and sleep is an important part of that mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I don't have too much I mean it's never perfect and there are times when we don't sleep but I know they're going to go away. I know that it will get better. And I don't, I don't worry about it because I know what happens. Right. Well, you've taken a huge weight off my shoulders. I'm not going to roll over as soon as I get up and look at that sleep score and feel bad about getting not as much deep sleep or mm-hmm. whatever it is, knowing that, okay, I'm going to do my best to go to bed, wake up at the same time put those tips in place. And that's, that's what I can do. And like you said, it's not going to be perfect, but I'm mindful of it. And that's a step in the right direction. Very good. <laughs> yes. Thank you for guiding me through that. So we <laughs> arrived to the, the big question and what does being fit mean to you? Um, I think that depends on the individual. My idea of what I tell my patients is, are you able to do what you want to do comfortably? Yep. So, um, 
how far, you know, can you walk and do the things you want to do? And you're not thinking every minute about food and how hungry you are and when are you going to eat next? So finding the right balance of weight and exercise. Mm -hmm. But I do recommend, there's no doubt everybody needs at least 30 minutes of exercise at one, a daily. But the information that's coming out that sitting for six hours straight, like I you know, will do in my clinic days, yeah. as opposed to when I'm in the hospital walking all over, the six, those, that can be deadly. So it's um, really being mindful, not just about sleep, but being mindful of getting up and moving. Yeah. People who are um, healthier, they actually have a significantly lower risk of heart attack and stroke um, move. I don't mean exercise, but are up and walking around the house, moving about two hours more a day than the others. And so yeah. since um, I live in the Midwest and I can't, I'm really not, I don't ski and not that mm -hmm. there's no place to ski in Ohio necessarily, <laughs> but um, you know, if I'm not going to be riding my bike or going out and walking, then it's really important to just walking up and down the stairs, making sure that yeah. I get up and I go do something. Don't ask somebody to do something for me. Get up and do it. Keep moving, keep doing things because it's way too easy to sit down with a book, um, whatever your hobby is, knitting or it's mm -hmm. anime or whatever, and get so engrossed in it that the only thing you get up for is to get a snack. Yeah. So right. I think that, you know, we need, I try to look at, uh, as you know, eating, stopping the um, eating earlier in the evening, but increased movement we need. And are we able to do what we want? I've seen too many people who retire and they can't do anything except sit in front of the television because at this point their knees, their hips and their back hurt too much because they oh. did not, they weren't taking care of themselves. So can you, can you walk a mile without being short of breath and being comfortable? Can you go up a hill? Can you walk up and down the stairs? Can you do those things and you don't have to run. I don't, I don't think yeah. that I'm not after anything, but can you live a life that you enjoy? Yep. I love that. Mm -hmm. We got to sleep. We got to sleep. We got to move. We got to yes. do both of those things, but not at the same time. <laughs> yes, not at the same time. Well, thank you so much. And I really appreciate the time. This has been great. I lots of knowledge shared. I know I'm going to walk away. I am walking away with, better understanding, some good tips to take. So I appreciate it. Listeners, thank you for listening. Follow along at What The Fit Podcast on Instagram. Share, make sure, let's have you share this episode with someone that needs to find some better sleep quality in their life. Spread the word. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.